This is Dirt to Dollars, hosted by your local county extension agents, where we talk everything agriculture. Welcome back to another edition of Dirt to Dollars. It is the week of October the uh, 26th, 27th. We're kind of getting towards. October. Yeah, I know. We're we're right at the end of it. And so we're getting ready for, I don't know about you all, but we're getting ready for Halloween in our Ooh. house. <laughs> so we've got, uh, got with me this week, Daniel from Lurie County and Matt in Hardin County. How are you all? Good. Good. Yeah, good. Good deal. A little chilly. So, it did. It did it's get chilly. A big change from last week. Mm-hmm. We also have a little bit more rain coming this way as well, from what I'm seeing. Yeah, from what's the what are we up to now? What hurricane or whatever? We're at Zeta. Yeah. So that, that means it's the last one, right? It's not the last one. <laughs> what do they do after that one? Do they just give them I numbers? We already rolled the alphabet over once. We did. That's, that's why we're in the Greek. Last, right. We're in, and oh, Zeta okay. is not the last alphabet or not the last letter of the alphabet. Okay. It's not. Yeah. It starts with a Z. It's not, though. Well, what's last? I don't know. You were the Greek. Oh, I the thought three that of was us. it. It isn't? Zeta. I thought Omega. Like a, I'm about to Google this. No, Omega is like where O is in the alphabet. Oh, I don't know. I was just told it wasn't the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Uh, I think Zeta is, but it may not be because there may be like Upsilon or something weird like that. But I think it's Zeta. I was pretty confident in my answer of that. So if you, you prove me wrong, on that, I'm going to be really disappointed. I think <laughs> it's right. last. We're getting there. Man, when you got you on dial up, <laughs> taking you a while to find that answer you should just be able to google that zeta <laughs> is only the one two three four five six letter of the greek alphabet c oh it's been a while c you're wrong why are you i know <laughs> i was gonna say i do know I, I was pretty confident that it wasn't the last one now i know i don't know what the last letter of the greek alphabet all is. right we gotta know what the last one is now okay. uh the last up. one would be omega oh see you were right again i was right you know i mean if we're gonna reference things you know you think about alpha omega that's kind of but I see like that sounds too the obvious in the end. <laughs> i was just like that's surely that's not right but i was wrong i don't know i'll, okay. I'll accept well, it all right very rarely ever happens and just so happened to happen on the on podcast the podcast that i'm wrong and I'm wrong twice. <laughs> With that being said, you know, we are in that part of hurricane season is towards the end. So I'm hoping that this weather event that we get won't last too long and will hopefully be the last of them. It looks like maybe several inches of rain for us. I just hope we can avoid we don't have a lot of wind because there's some corn out there that's looking pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've even heard of some issues with some some stock rots. And, oh, okay. you know, you get a little wind on that too. It's not, not going to be pretty. Yeah. But how are, but I mean, how is the corn crop looking in your all's area this week? I know that we've not really been able to get into the fields that much because of the last weather event that we had. I didn't know if anybody, which we're going to talk to Ryan Bivens here soon. And he's actually trying to combine today too. So I do know that some people are out and about, but we've, we were kind of slow last week with getting any kind of corn harvested. 
Yeah, it seemed like there were just a couple days to run here last week in between the rains because uh, there was a lot of areas of the county got a pre- pretty big rain uh, first to last week. Uh, we're hoping that it's going to dry up. I know that after this weather event, it's looking long-term forecast. It's going to kind of dry up and let some folks yeah. get and, in there. And it seems like we always have – we always lose a week somewhere in – in harvest every year and so this is probably just kind of our week that we've lost uh so yeah if any of you follow along the uh uk ag weather center either on their website or twitter or social media or whatever uh they posted a kind of a long-term outlook for next week for the next two weeks i guess it looks like next week turns a little drier uh not necessarily warmer i think it's supposed to be kind of seasonable temperatures but Looks like we could have a week or so of dry weather starting next week and some sunshine, which is really what we need to get this bean harvest going because that's what's what's really struggling right now. We hadn't had hadn't had a whole lot of sunny, dry days to be able to run soybeans the last couple of weeks. I'd like to see some sun. It's been it's been several days. Just want to see some sunshine. We drove we went on a little road trip and uh, to drive around and look at fall foliage and drive some back roads and was there any fall foliage to look at eh, there's still some yeah there's still quite a bit and you get in some of the you know some of the forested areas and and whatnot but it's not it wasn't as pretty when the sun's not shining on it it's right. still it's just that gray kind of looks like december mm-hmm. out and it's we're not even into november yet so hope, hopefully we can get some sunshine soon well i know that you all were probably in the cornfields doing plots and measuring test plots and things in the last couple of weeks but i've been doing a lot of hay sampling in my area uh, have you all received many or have you been getting any in for fall you know for testing for winter feeding yeah, purposes we're starting to get several to trickle in uh and i there's a lot of hay starting to be fed i think yeah uh, I, where we were so dry back late summer early fall and uh, that we kind of had some early cool weather. I think the grass is pretty well done and people are running out. It's uh, a lot of people are starting to feed hay, which is probably what three or four weeks early. Yeah. It, it depending on your operation. I know some people that feed hay first and then they, yeah. you know, stockpile some too later, but you know, we've probably sent 50 to 60 samples in throughout my County alone. And so I'll be interested to see, I'm starting to get results trickling in a little bit, but you know, overall quality seems to be pretty good. I've so had a, promising. I've sent in 30 samples so far and I've had a lot of, uh, like first cut fescue, first cut fescue orchard grass mix type hays coming in at 13% protein, which is that's good. Pretty good. You know, I think typically that's probably around 10. So I've been seeing a lot of good results. Haven't seen now, any bad ones, but right. you know, that's not to say, I mean, there's that's, that's interesting that you say that though, Daniel, cause that kind of reconfirms something that I think we talked about and suspicioned a little back in the spring on the show mm-hmm. that maybe the, the freeze that we had in, in April could have helped some of this hay quality because it seemed like it took some of the stems out, some of the seed heads, and we had a little more foliage more in this first cutting hay. Yeah. Yep. I did have one farmer mention that he noticed the early fe- uh, fescue seeding out earlier than, than normal um, in, in a few fields that he was cutting. So I'm sure there's some effect there. Yeah. yeah I just keep an eye on it. Now, I know. I will use a lot of those hay sampling in 
some weaning rations and some winter hay feeding rations that, and we've got, UK's got some really good publications and some tools on that too. So I know that with the UK beef cow supplement tool, we can utilize that hay sample to plug in and see if there's any sort of supplementation that a cow is going to need. Right. So but just, just, just to remember that that tool is only for cat mature cows. Don't right. try and use that to come up with a backgrounding ration sure, or a absolutely. ration for weaned calves. But uh, yeah. that's something to certainly keep in mind when you get these uh, hay test results. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have a feed test results for result for whatever commodity blend or whatever you're feeding because chances are we've probably got a book value for those that's going to be really close. It's yeah. the uh, it's the forage side that seems to vary a lot. But, right. But definitely get with us or get with whoever your county agent is if you're not in Grayson Harden or Larue County and they can get with with one of our beef specialists to help formulate a ration specifically for your, for your farm and for your forage base that you're going to be yeah. uh, feeding those calves on this winter. And I think that's kind of a secret because I don't know that a lot of people know that we can do that for them. So I've in the last couple of years have increased the amount of people doing that because it's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, you know, you did that. And we can usually get it back yeah. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned protein. Mm-hmm. But is that's not the most important number, probably. I guess is the most important TDN that we'd be looking at. Uh, in combination of the, both combination. Of the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that in my samples, um, uh, had a several. Well, there was a handful over sixty. Mm-hmm. So even though the protein was was decent in a lot of them, uh, there was only a handful that had, I would say, really respectable. Yeah, TDNs. but it's I mean, it's pretty hard to get a hay to test over sixty TDN. And so, and, and yeah, what's the that's really that good hey. is the importance of that is, right. is where the cow beef cow is in that lactation, you know, whether they're in lactation or whether they're in gestation too, right. you can get away with a little less TDN with a non lactating or late gestating cow versus an early lactation. And that a lot of times in our counties, you know, that's where they need it the most. And it's usually during the middle of winter and that's right. And time out just a second just for the listeners out there that might not know exactly what we're talking about when we talk about TDN, which that's total digestible nutrients. And that's basically the energy level in that forage Mm -hmm. or in that feed. And a lot of times we're not protein deficient in our feed stuffs. We're energy deficient. And when we start losing condition on cows or losing gain on calves, it's usually a energy deficiency instead of a protein deficiency. Right. So uh, keep that in mind. And we would typically make that TDN loss up by feeding grain. Right. Yes. Something like a soy hull or a even shelled corn is high in in uh, in TDN, high in energy. So. Right. Uh, but I will say all my samples were over 50. There wasn't anything under 52. That's good. Well, I, th- I think it's all right in there. Yeah. Where and one thing that I like to point out about testing hay, and Whitney, you kind of alluded to this earlier, is it's not necessarily to know that you're going to have to supplement every lot of hay that you have. It's so you can look at those lots of hay. And like you said, I've got this hay that's, I know is poor quality. I can feed it now while I've got dry mm-hmm. cows and mm-hmm. save this better hay that's in this shed over here uh, right. to feed when cows start calving in February and March. And honestly, hay sampling and hay sample test results, they can be confusing for a farmer. I mean, I had to learn myself and I know the three, you know, the three of us have gone through 
numerous trainings on it. So, I mean, if you've got questions on it, that's why we're here to get it, you know, taken care of for you is to help you understand that. Cause by all means, <laughs> it's a little bit overwhelming when overwhelming. you see a full page uh, yeah. full of numbers and percentages and it's kind of hard to, to take yeah. it in on what all that means. But it's, uh, yeah, there's only kind of a handful of things that you really need to have look to at have. when you're looking mm -hmm. at that hay sample. So. Yeah. And keep in mind sampling procedure too, if you're pulling these samples yourself, it's a whole lot of the same concepts we look at with soil testing. You want to make sure you're getting a good representative sample. So don't just go out and pull a core from one bale and send it mm -hmm. in. You need to to get several bales across that lot of hay and and don't get it from just all the front bales in the barn, climb up on top of the stack or whatever and, <laughs> yeah. and go back and, and try and get some random samples. So you're getting a good representation of what you've got there. Yeah. It's uh, it was pretty interesting in my condition, trying to climb up on some of those bales. I think <laughs> doing some hay sampling this year is a little more challenging than in previous years. So you can get a pretty good workout if you do several in a day. So it's that time of year for doing some sampling. It's also that time of year for Halloween. Oh, I like Halloween. What are, are, do y'all have Halloween plans? Are you going trick or treating? Are you are you dressing up? Well, I have a Ricky Bobby going in my household, and I have a descendant, which I don't know. It's a descendant. Uh -huh. I don't know what that so is. So I didn't really either until in the last you know month or so. A descendant is a Disney show, and it's based on the villains' daughters the Disney villains daughters. Sure. Whatever so my, that means. Okay. The princesses, there's always <laughs> okay. a villain. Okay. okay. Yeah. So for example, Melissa and the princess and some stage of those, right now, Yes, so. we are. Yeah. So those are, and they're for a little older, you know, my daughter's seven. So she kind of gets into that. They've, it's a little, it's not baby cartoons, but it's also not adult either. So she's going to be a descendant. So I can't say what I'm going to be for Halloween yet. Because you don't know. It's a mystery. No, I mean, it's a mystery what I'm going to oh. be. And that's the only clue you get. But I'm not, I bet I know. Really I bet mine I'm will be very popular with the three of us on this show. Are you just going to wear your headset that's and go, exactly with, right. go as Matt Adams? Actually, you should shave your and head. And be Daniel Carpenter. And then you could be <laughs> me. <laughs> or put a brown wig on and go Man, and, that's and, go, a good and, idea. and put a put a basketball in your belly and <laughs> your shirt and you'll go with me. <laughs> I did not think of that. Ah, uh, man. Yeah. Next year. But as far as trick or treating goes, I'm not entirely sure that we're gonna go do any I don't know that we're gonna go door to door. There are several little things that we may go and just maybe go visit family that we're used to seeing, but uh, it won't be our typical trick or treat year, which is sad because it's on a Saturday and we were so looking forward to just being able to spend the whole day doing fun Halloween stuff. But I don't know that it'll. I did go trick or treating a few times, but it's kind of a challenge when you live like you don't live downtown to go trick or treating. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, like you, you go door to door. You can't really go door to door too many places. Um, so you got to get driven to relatives, houses and family, friends and things like that. I didn't do I, I did trick-or-treating as a kid when we lived in town I lived in a small town and so there were neighborhoods that we could go to and we did get to experience that but most of the time the elementary schools in our county would have big trick-or-treat 
where each classroom was set up and they, you would, you could go down the hallways and, and get candy and they always had some sort of fun activity. And then you also had the churches that did the trunk or treats too. So, I mean, there was always plenty of stuff to, to do, but. See, I don't really remember younger, the trunk or treat. I don't remember thing. going to many trunk or treats. Really? I don't, I don't remember that coming along mm. until like, really I came back from college. It seemed like you seemed like. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, I'm from Springfield now and I know we're behind the times <laughs> well, down there, but. I just don't remember those yeah. whenever I was younger. And I don't really know that many of them will be going on this year either, but I, I do know that there's several. Well, I think if anything there. goes on, that'll be what goes on. I don't, I don't know about yeah. the, I guess we'll see what all happens with all that, but. Our, our local area is having a parade so they can kind of manage it a little better, but we'll see how it works out. I don't know. To be determined. What's your, what's your, what's, what's the thing that you would like to get in your Halloween basket? Halloween <gasps> basket. What is this? I thought that was Easter. Or your Halloween, you know what I'm talking about, your, your little, little Halloween bucket. pumpkin with the hole cut out. Candy bucket. Pumpkin bucket. Okay. It's not a basket. <laughs> I got the, got the. It's a, got a handle on it and it holds Halloween stuff. Money it's a basket. Now. Okay. But that's fine. Call it, call it what you want to call it. Call you, go get your little pumpkin bucket. You remember like the McDonald's, yes. like the thing, yeah. the McDonald's yeah. thing, the bucket. So okay. I actually have, there's a lot of kids I've seen running around with pillowcases. I guess they're thinking they're going to get a whole lot of candy. Yeah, I've seen that before. However, what do I steal from my children that they don't realize that I <laughs> steal yeah, from? Yeah, there you go. Is probably Reese's, Reese's. Uh, cups. I like those. And then I also really like the Starburst. I don't know. I kind of I'm, I like chocolate and I like chewy. So. Out of all the Halloween candy, you're stealing the Starburst. Yeah, I like Starburst. That's what I'm into right now. It might change <laughs> by Saturday. Yeah, it probably will. <laughs> I don't, I guess the little boxes of nerds. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I, I like mm -hmm. nerds, but I don't like a whole big old yeah. thing of nerds. You can, the little Halloween you box of nerds is back. like just right now because you can just like <laughs> take a shot of yeah. them and roll on, get your sugar kick in. So, you know what the biggest letdown Halloween candy what? is? Milk goods. Oh, why is that? I like milk yeah. goods. Milk goods are mm -hmm. good. But there's only like, like two or three in the box. Is yeah. That yeah. <laughs> well, that and like you get one of them. And I think I'm thinking of the right thing. Those are the ones with the caramel in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you sit there and chew and chew for four hours. Yeah. and They're sugar yeah. babies. Too. It, it's not all it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Man, I've never chewed for four hours on a milk dud, but I guess. Maybe all the ones I've got were from the Halloween before. <laughs> you got leftover milk duds. <laughs> we do we like chewy candy but my my kids are they like the suckers and they get after the chocolate pretty good so i usually get what's left over and it'll sit there for six months and then i pitch it by the time easter comes around <laughs> so oh well no christmas adds to yeah, it yeah that's true in the middle we do. we do a little bit of candy we actually i think it just finally ran out of candy and now halloween's coming around <laughs> that's a Hey, that's pretty good stash, if you ask me. How are you all with scary movies? I'm not a huge fan of scary movies, but my husband is, and my kids enjoy the Halloween-type movies. Oh, no. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Halloween, is that Michael Meyer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I went to school with a guy named Mike Meyer. I don't think he was that scary. <laughs> well, I went to school with a guy named Mike Meyer, too. And he, Probably uh, the same extension Mike Meyer. He's a 4 H. We should have had <laughs> yeah. him on the show. We could have you said we we're joined by Mike Meyer on Halloween. We probably should have. You know, that might be a good segue Man, for we us. Missed a, we missed Missed a good chance of programming there. Yeah, maybe next time. So what's However, the 
like what's the scariest movie you've watched or like what movie is has scarred you for life that's scary well, all of the saw movies and silence of the lambs those types of movies really they scarred you see i well, think the I one just... that scared me the most isn't a isn't a horror movie what is it it was actually a children's movie it no any <laughs> guesses about an uh... alien E.T.? E.T. scared the crap out of me. I was scarred. Like, I don't know what it was. It was just a creepy alien dude, and I did not like it. It scared me. Mm -hmm. I had so many nightmares about E.T. Well, and I didn't... I'm not one that just likes to go and watch a scary movie. A lot of times I was... You know, I'm a scaredy cat anyway. Go into a haunted house or anything like that. I don't do that. I am... And I I don't go to the movie theaters and watch a scary movie. But I don't mind to watch them at the house every now and then. But they got to have Scream? a good story. What about Scream? Scream, I watch those, yeah. I know what you did last I'll, summer. What? I didn't do anything last summer. That's a movie. I know what oh, you did last oh, summer. Nobody <laughs> did anything <laughs> last summer. <laughs> nobody did anything this last summer. That's exactly right. <laughs> Matt, you're being awful quiet. Are you, you scaredy cat? I'm not much of a scary movie person. I haven't watched I any. People. Not, no, nothing that scared you as a kid. Nothing that left any kind of a mark, apparently. See, I, 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 I shared my how much E.T. scarred me. You got vulnerable with us there for a minute. Can I tell you, a, you want to talk about vulnerability. Can I tell you a really embarrassing story about a scary movie? You didn't pee your pants, did you? No, I did not pee my pants. <laughs> okay, good. But I was a scaredy cat as a kid. So hence the reason for not really enjoying the really extra scary movies. I had a, you used to get the TV guides in the newspaper. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Okay. So during Halloween, they had a big picture of Michael Meyer on it. All right. And at the time, my mom and dad's living room, like our, our den, our TV room or whatever was in the basement. And so my dad had set the TV guide on the basement steps going up the step. And I was too scared to go up and down the steps without the lights on and, you know, just, and I would run up and down and run up, you know, run back up because just the picture scared me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, a, I was a chicken. I, was I think a chicken. another movie or uh, poltergeist. I had watched that oh, one time yeah. when I was younger and it scared yeah. me. I didn't like that. Yeah. I don't try to watch that like demonic possession yeah. stuff. I don't like that. But, um, but the one, there was one recent one, uh, get out that's scary that's that was actually a pretty good yes. movie i liked it yeah. and us yeah i like those scary well, that, but like didn't keep me up now that i've got kids though we're watching the scary movies like hotel transylvania and the hocus pocuses and you know those types of they're they're funny but they're also kind of spooky you know yeah fun 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 movies well we get through halloween and we get into november and that gets us to another important time uh election day have you all got gone out and voted yet it's a little different this year i haven't i plan on voting day i have i'm gonna vote this weekend i think i think i can vote saturday morning i was gonna vote last saturday morning but overslept (laughs) didn't get out as early as i wanted to so we went on and voted last friday it's a little different it's a it's quick because there's really not any lines because it's just a slow trickle of people coming in but it's uh it's kind of different, especially having basically one place in every county to vote. Well, I it's, heard uh, even if there is a line, it goes pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Now we vote at a little country church down the road from us, so But 
Do you mm-hmm. still? Yeah, it's the only one in our area. Huh. It, you know, the way they've got it broken down, there's only like one voting precinct per, you know, area in our county, and that's the one, and it's just right up the road. So I'll plan to do that. Do you all take your kids with you typically? I, I mean, I know this year's kind of weird, but on a typical year? What we did was we swapped out. We Ours was with us, and one of us stayed outside with her and went in and voted, and then we swapped. But typically, I usually go on mm-hmm. my way to work in the morning and take her with me and she usually gets handed off to one of those precinct workers and they kind of mm-hmm. hold her and and play with her for a little while 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 I'm voting but that's yes, definitely not acceptable yeah, not this in year, a non-COVID so. year. <laughs> mine like to go and they usually get a sticker too even though they don't vote yeah. but that's their favorite thing to do but I mean, another thing that's a little different with it, I kind of had the thought, does it put people in rural areas at a little bit of a disadvantage to vote? I guess not really. That's not the word for it, but you know, especially older people that live in rural areas, mm-hmm. if you're just going a mile down the road to some little fire right. station or whatever precinct, is that easier than having to go all the way into town if it's a 30 minute drive? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a little discouraging? Or, maybe? I get what you're saying, but doesn't it also help that you're able to do it early, it basically any time yeah. over the course of it three does. or four weeks? And there was mail-in voting. You could re- could have requested a mail-in ballot. But I think it used to be that would have been an issue, but anymore, so many people have dependable transportation, and it's you know nothing to go to town for stuff like it used to be. So I, I and and I did see on the news this morning. I think one of the rental car companies is offering free rental cars for people to use for a day to go vote. Oh, really? Uh, I think I saw like Uber and Lyft were both given discounts. If you needed a ride to go vote, they were taking you at a discounted rate. I don't know if we have an Uber out in my neck of the woods. I, I don't think Uber would come to us either. I would maybe. almost argue that this year is probably the easiest year for people to be able to vote. I keep hearing there's going to be a record mm-hmm. turnout, but something that we always as rural America we need to be concerned about is are we getting our say in things are we getting representation from from rural America and from rural Kentucky we need to make sure that that the rural population is getting out to vote to let their thoughts be known but like you said go vote election date is right around the corner and so it's on a Tuesday Tuesday but you can mail in Again this year, huh? Yeah. I, it, like It's crazy Weird. how it falls on a Tuesday. It's always on a Tuesday. Why is that? <laughs> Did y'all know that the Tuesday is considered the least productive day? I saw that this morning. Not for us, because we knock out a podcast every Tuesday. Yeah, I saw that this morning. So is that why they put election day on a Tuesday? I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. You, It would kind of maybe make sense that you're going to be unproductive that day anyway, so might as well. But you're being productive if you go Yes, vote. that's true. However, I will say that it is probably worth noting for us as far as logistical is concerned that our offices will be closed on that Tuesday, the presidential election day. Yes. Who's doing the show next week? <laughs> we, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I thought that far, guys. The way the weather forecast looks, you may... Uh... You may get me in a combine if we do it Tuesday. <laughs> we'll just look at our schedules like we always do and figure it out. It may be Wednesday before we get to tape, but we'll make we'll make it work. I don't think we'll be able to talk about election results, though, because I don't think they'll all be in by then either. I don't think we'll be able to talk about election results ne- the next mm-hmm. Tuesday, but we'll yep. see what happens. 
So speaking of being productive on a Tuesday, uh, we have a guest coming up with us here that is, uh, he's considered pretty productive no matter what day of the week it is, and and I think today's no exception. So Daniel, you want to lead us into our next guest? All right, so now we're joined by a familiar voice who's been on the show before, uh, Ryan Bivens, who was just appointed to serve on the United Soybean Board. So uh, Ryan... Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, what, what are you doing right now? Well, we're actually, uh, I'm in the combine right now. We're shelling corn. Uh, as everybody knows, here in central Kentucky, we've had a wet several days, so we saw an opportunity to get in the field. So we're kind of like farmers, or kind of like kid, farmers are kind of like kids on Christmas morning when they sit still for several days. They get really antsy. <laughs> so we, we've looked for something to do. We finally decided we were going to the cornfield today, so. Anyway, so if you hear a little bit of background noise, that's the reason why I'm actually in the combine shelling right now. So. Well, I'm going to blame this on Matt Adams. We should have done better planning. We should have actually got you in the soybean field. That's that right. kind of fit uh, with what we're but, talking about today. But, but we, we just came up with this about 30 minutes ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, Matt's a likely candidate to blame for this. He is, uh, I've always taught the six P's, you know, proper planning prevents such poor performance i'll let you fill in the other p there so we'll blame that on matt that he didn't do the 16 today i'll take the blame yeah uh but no i appreciate it yeah it, and it probably should have been in the soybean field but you know like i tell everybody a lot of soybean growers raise other crops and livestock as well it's not just the they're not just one crop farmers they're, they're um, almost everybody out there uh, is a little diversified in some way, so they're not raising just the same thing every year, all year long. So, Ryan, why don't you uh, tell us a little about your a little bit about your new appointment to the soybean board and what that's going to have you doing for the next uh, little while for us as soybean farmers in the area? What I have been appointed to, and for those people that don't uh, understand, there's actually two different organizations when you come to soybean. You've got the American Soybean Association, which is your membership driven organization and then you have the united soybean board and that's what i have been appointed to uh, as a representative from kentucky united soybean board is the one that handles the checkoff dollars so whenever a farmer like myself sells soybeans one half of one percent goes to checkoff of that money half of it stays in the state and the other half goes to the united soybean board um, and that's for all of the groups all the state affiliates that raise soybeans across the country, that, that's how it works. And um, so that money goes to the United Soybean Board, and that's the money, the board that I will be sitting on with the United Soybean Board. We, we handle that fund, decide how they're spent. Most of the time, most of that money is spent on promotion, research, uh, education. Those are the three big criteria. Uh, of course, I served on the Kentucky side of this for several years now. Uh, an opportunity opened up because Mr. Keith, Keith Tapp, who's the past United Soybean Board chairman, just uh, termed off. So I, I was able to step into his seat. Uh, unlike most other seats, you know, Kentucky Board had to nominate me. But actually, this goes before um, the president's administration. So Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, had to actually sign off on the nomination. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big honor to get, get to serve something like this. Sounds like it. Yeah, that's that's great. So, how long of a term will you serve for, Ryan? Well, this term here is a is a three year term. Of course, you can be reelected. You can serve up to three three year terms. So, I'm, I'm as of right now, I'm in a three year term. 
uh, somebody told me the other day, he said, well, he said, you'll be there for nine years. I said, oh, I don't, don't necessarily think that. Uh, you never know. Something could happen. It's kind of like previous boards I was on. Uh, I was there for a four-year term, and you could serve up to three terms. And, well, that didn't happen. So you never know. You know, it, it's an honor. And I, I'll be glad to serve for the first three years. And if I get reappointed, uh, that'll be awesome. But uh, we'll take the first three years and do the best we can with it. So, so your, your job is to help spend those checkoff dollars wisely. And we do have a lot of uh, soybean growers in the, in the area. So I know that we spend a lot of dollars in that. And on, on the Kentucky side of that, what are some, we've tried, we've had Fred Sipes on, and we've had several folks that are involved in the soybean board, but what are some of those things here that are coming back to Kentucky that uh, you can tell us about that uh, from the United Soybean Board perspective? Obviously, you know, there's a lot of things we see with checkoff, uh, whether it comes from the Kentucky side or the United Soybean side. And, and one thing I will say is we're very fortunate when it comes to soybean checkoff that the state affiliate and United Soybean Board have a very good working relationship. So a lot of times you'll see projects that you may take for granted and think, well, that's a, that's a state project, but yet actually you at United Soybean Board may be partnering with them to help them uh, do some of that. Uh, for example, some of the animal ag initiatives that we, you've seen take place over the last decade or so, a lot of those have been partnerships between Kentucky Soybean Board as well as uh, United Soybean Board. You know, you see a lot of things like biodiesel initiatives. Um, there, there's a lot, a whole lot of research that goes in out there. Uh, if you watch a lot of the publications, I know the Soybean Sentinel, which is a, a, a big thing with the uh, Soybean Association. You know, mm -hmm. The United Soybean Board spends a lot of time uh, helping with that, uh, help fund some of that. And, and, and that goes back to the education part of it. Um, you know, there always, there's a close relationship with a lot of universities. You have other groups out there that have been formed over the years. Uh, one, for example, is Soy Transportation Coalition or the soy, uh, Southern Soybean Research Program, which you might have groups go together and form another group because they can identify, because then I'll give, for example, like soy, Southern Soybean Research Program in Kentucky, uh, you know, we kind of, we our growing climate may not be the same as something, say, a Michigan or a Minnesota or an Iowa even. Uh, so that way they'll do a lot of things like that sometimes. So that way uh, they'll, they'll have projects they'll work on that obviously USB will step in and fund and maybe some uh, state affiliates will step in and fund uh, to kind of for that geographical area, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Change gears just real quick before we leave, uh, before we have to go here, Ryan, how are yields doing? I know y'all have ran quite a bit of corn. Assume you've probably started some soybeans. Are you seeing pretty good yields out there? I'll be honest, we haven't run the first soybean yet. Of course, you know, with our rotation, the way it goes, we try to get a lot of corn acres out to plant wheat, yeah. uh, which we're, we're about half done planting wheat right now. So that's, we're a little behind on that. But with the corn, um, something I've seen, I've heard y'all talk about on other podcasts you've done, you're not seeing really high yields this time. Everything is very consistent. Yeah. I don't care if it's our bad ground, our marginal ground, our excellent ground, our really what I call ice cream dirt. It's all been consistent this time, uh, which don't get me wrong, it's still a very good crop. And I think overall it probably will be one of our best farm averages ever. 
Um, but, you know, I've kind of been surprised by that. Uh, beans, beans look really good, but I don't know. We'll see what they are when we get into them. Hopefully this weather straightens out. We'll get this next rain cycle through here. We're hoping to get started in some soybeans. Mm-hmm. Yep, looks like it may be pretty promising after that. So, well, well, we everybody, gets, everybody gets worked up, but it always uh, we always have a stretch of bad weather through harvest, and we've had a pretty yep. good run, so it'll work out. Yeah. Well, we won't take up a whole lot of your time. I know uh, we've heard some guys hollering at you over the radio there and think I might have even heard a little cab corn hit there. So we'll we'll let you get back to to harvest. Are you, we don't we don't have cab corn here, Matt. You're the only <laughs> combine operator I've seen with cab corn. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. No problem. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. All right. Stay safe. We really appreciate Ryan coming on and chatting with us. I think this is a really good thing that we've got here and that he's able to sit on the board and represent Kentucky. So I'm glad that he was able to join us today. Yep, always a great leader for Kentucky agriculture. And it's kind of nice talking to somebody from the field. It's kind of yeah. a unique part of the show. Sometimes we can catch somebody while they're while they're working and uh, and ride along with them for a little bit. And you can tell, I mean, we there was stuff going on in the background and it's nice to this is that's real life, so we know how it goes and it looks like we have some breaking news okay, on the that? herbicide front here. Daniel, just do it right off the wire from EPA. See now, this is the time where we should have invested in some breaking, breaking news music to really. We're gonna, we're gonna have to this. look into yeah. how to do that. Yeah, I've always wanted like a like a bell or a dun dun, dun or like some thing. big crescendo, just dramatic build. Yeah, yeah. But, but back on topic. Yeah. EPA has approved the dicamba products for another five years that's pretty big compared i think it was two years two-year label that we had before registration and now it's five years so right. hopefully i guess maybe they can still change that i mean they can still pull that and change the laws on it i guess but for right now it looks like it's going to be good for five years right just some of the of the quick changes just skimming over this of course this is new to everybody uh looks like they have added a 240-foot downwind buffer now, where I believe it was 110 before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's double. A little more than double. And 310 feet required where some of these endangered species are located, and that list had came out back prior to this spring. Uh, don't think it really it really affects any of our three counties, but there's some in the state that are on, that have species on that list. I think Meade counties may be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and most of the rest are Western Kentucky counties. And if you have a hooded sprayer, you can make those buffers a little closer, but I don't really think we have Nobody any sprayers in this area. So that that's really more of a, that's more of a cotton country kind of thing. I, I believe Another another thing changed on there was uh, the max rates permitted. It looked like yep. between the Extended Max and Genia, uh, they they all dropped. I think maybe Tavium stayed the same because it was already at a half acre dicamba active ingredient per uh, per pound. acre or ha- yeah yeah half pound. But um, it looks like the others all dropped where they were one pound of of dicamba actual per acre. It's it's now a, a half pound for all those. Uh, another new thing that got added was uh, you have to have an approved pH buffering agent. 
I believe the companies have been working on that anyway. Uh, and seems like there's a couple of different brand specific ones that yeah. you can add. And actually I think that's just Ingenia um, requires that use. And then with Extendamax and Tavium, um, you, you would use, you could use that pH buffering agent or a volatility reducing agent along with the drift reduction agent. So <laughs> looks like there may be some See added how many sales. things we can, we can yeah, throw in there. Some added sales in the future for some of those items. But um, I think and it's, don't, and don't forget that states can expand the, on those restrictions and, and add their own. Uh, another thing we didn't mention was the, was the cutoff. We have, a, I believe, a nationwide June 30th oh, yeah. cutoff date on application. And I don't expect that Kentucky would get any stricter with that, but I think there's some talk of some states down south that might try and tighten that up where it gets a little warmer a little quicker. Uh and try and stack on top of that. Also, there'll still be training required uh, as before. And I think with this training, they'll, they'll also add in some of those pH buffers and volatility resistant agents and some of those things too. So be looking for that as we get into winter. I'm sure we'll all be yep. offering uh, different trainings on that. And we'll talk about them on this show too. Yeah. Good news there on the, mm-hmm. on the herbicide front. We don't want to, don't want to lose that. want to lose those tools. Yeah. And we need to, be sure we're good stewards of them to to keep them for the full five years. Another thing that I've read some on is some speculation. If we, depending on how the election turns out, if we end up with a different EPA administration, then that could change the whole ball game again. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I got something that's way off topic. Okay. What's that? Did you know that Saved by the Bell is coming back on? No. Did you ever watch Saved by the Bell? I loved Saved by the Bell. Matt, did you ever watch Saved by the Bell? Uh, a little, maybe. Yeah, like I never, I wasn't like a loyal Saved by the Bell listener, but or watcher, watcher, or viewer, or however, whatever terms you want to use. I've, I'm just using all the wrong terms today, <laughs> evidently. But it's coming back on because evidently that's a cool thing to do is bring things back. What other mm-hmm. cartoons or shows did you watch when you were a kid? Saved by the Bell was one. I watched Full House a whole lot. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. We did watch TGIF a whole lot. So there's like Boy Meets World. Oh, that was the stuff. I was all about some TGIF. Home Improvement. What was TGIF? Thank God it's Friday. On ABC on Friday night. Yeah. See, like a show? Yeah. It was was like a series series of shows. It was like four or five shows Mm -hmm. that would come on on Friday nights. Home Improvement Uh, started out on that, I think, right? It did. It did. And Step by Step. Dinosaurs. (gasps) Dinosaurs. Um, I have... Completely was that the one with the show. little baby yeah, dinosaur, like a uh, dinosaur not the mama. I'm Not the mama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow, we're showing our age. Man, <laughs> and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yes. That was on there, too. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of a lot of good shows on there. But, um, but yeah, they, I, I remembered it because, like, when you only had four channels mm-hmm. and one of them was that, I mean, yeah, that's what you watched that's on Friday nights. So I didn't get to watch Nickelodeon or any of that other stuff. I had... I had TGIFs, and then I had Saturday Night TV, which was Walker, Texas Ranger, and Dr. Quinn, yes. Medicine Woman. I never missed a show of Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes, we watched both. And it's like, we don't have like these devoted nights uh-uh. to shows anymore. Now I guess just... Game of Thrones was that way for a little bit, because like Sunday nights, Game of Thrones yes. night. But other than that, it's not Well, there's like nothing to watch right now. Well, and you've also got... Well, no, but you watch it whenever you want to. Well, it's not like you uh, Yellowstone. have to watch it. DVR. Yellowstone's it you for still us right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like you don't want to, those shows you don't want to miss, you just make sure they're recording and then you watch them later if you need to. Yeah. It's just kind of weird how we don't have that like time of watching shows like I that I joke that my children won't know what commercials are because they've never yeah. really. Well, I mean, they don't even have Saturday morning cartoons. Like that's not even a thing anymore. No, but mine do really like the old cartoons. There is a, there's a TV station on, on ours that you can watch the old Warner Brothers cartoons and Bugs Bunny and all of those. And they enjoy them as much as I did when I was a kid, but there's not a set time that they can watch them. Yeah. We've got a DVD of like a bunch of old cartoons. And if you watch the really old cartoons, mm -hmm. it's like, how's, how, how was this even allowed to make it <laughs> on it? You wouldn't see it on uh -huh. TV at all now. with like cartoons smoking or drinking or doing that kind of stuff. I will, you say, just... I will say that it's interesting that my daughter watches, I used to watch a show on Disney as a kid that was, that's so Raven and mm -hmm. it, it had a, a storyline. Well, now she is an adult cause she's our age and she's got a show now on TV that my daughter watches called Raven's home. So it's, you know, she was the little girl and hanging with Mr. Cooper. And she was also in the little rascals. Yes, she was. So it's another great movie. Yeah. Which my kids have been watching a lot of. And I <laughs> just pointed that out the other day. I was like, Oh my gosh. So my daughter is, it's funny to see that they, you know, they're making that correlation, even though it's a different show. So it's fun, fun time. Oh man. We've, we've gone off the deep end now. So yeah, we're, we're, what are we talking about programming wise and agriculture? Cause we talk all things agriculture. We didn't say we yeah. talk all things <laughs> um, nostalgia. Yeah. What about you? I apologize. I let us down that road. What about the, programming a virtual we've got several different programs still going on i think the beef the reaching out while locked in will still have some virtual programming i don't have the schedule on that but they usually are tuesday evenings and from they start at seven eight eastern right correct yeah yep. so seven central and those are going on uh, in my county specifically i'm trying to get some private applicator and beef quality assurance trainings and of course those will be limited in person to 10 people, but those will be in November before I leave for a little bit. We, we won't have any um, pesticide trainings or BQAs till probably January, uh, December, January timeframe. But Matt, wasn't there something about pesticide trainings? Is it push? Yeah. So back in March, I guess, since there were still a few lingering that hadn't been updated or trained or whatever, uh, KDA did go on and extend that through December of 2020. Uh, so if you expired December 31st, 2019, you were good through 2020, but it looks like maybe now you probably will have to be recertified or retrained. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to extend it another year, but they may prove me wrong on mm -hmm. that. You never know, but probably be better be, better to be safe than sorry on that and go on and get your certifications done this time. Right. I've had several calls the last few weeks about people asking about CEUs for commercial pesticide licenses. And that's something I know they've resumed testing, uh, but they're not doing it at all the sites like Hardin County used to be a testing site once a month. Mm -hmm. I believe you have to go to either Frankfurt, Gilbertsville and Western. Where did you say? Gilbert. Gilbert. That's a new one on me. I've never heard of that one before. Me too. But apparently that's the Western Kentucky site. So Gilbert must have been a good dude. Must have yeah. been. He got a bill named after him. 
Uh, and you do have to pre-register for that. They won't take any walk-ins. So check out KDA's website under the pesticide training and testing tab, and it has all those, uh, all those specifics on there. Uh, as far as keeping your CEUs up, if you're a if you're a commercial applicator and need those CEUs, uh, I know they've started doing a lot of, they've been really lenient on virtual programs offering CEUs. Yeah, we've got several coming up. Uh, look for those. Yeah, we've got several coming up this winter. You you should have several opportunities to be able to get those just sitting at your desk or at your computer. As a matter, as a matter of fact, I think there's uh, November 10th and November 17th, there's uh, – uh, the so crop protection uh, virtual mm-hmm. training, and that's going to offer a lot of CEU. So we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. Maybe next and then week. I so and I think uh, the Mammoth Cave area is doing a virtual uh, deal here sometime in December. So so I think that we've got a lot of different opportunities to get some of these programs taken care of, and so just. Once again, if you're not in any of our three counties, you can reach out to your local extension agent in in your particular county and you can call them and I'm sure they're on Facebook if you've got questions. So with that being said, you can also find our podcast online, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts or listen Saturday mornings at 8.05 a.m. on Abe 93.7. I think that'll about wrap it up for this week if you all don't have anything else. We'll call it a show. Yep. See you you guys next week. Bye.